Welcome to CollegeCast for pharmacy practice news, views and updates brought to you by the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. Join us to find out about tips and tools for immediate benefit to your practice and learn about current practice topics and innovations driving the future of pharmacy. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about burnout. What is burnout? How common is it amongst healthcare professionals? And how do we manage it? To discuss this topic with us today, we have Patrick Bridgman with us. Patrick J. Bridgman Jr. received his PharmD from the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy at Rutgers University in 2006. He completed a postgraduate residency in emergency medicine at Rutgers University and Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital. The following year, he initiated an emergency department clinical pharmacy program at New, at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University Medical Center. He has worked as a pharmacist in the emergency department at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital and is presently a clinical assistant professor in emergency medicine at the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy, Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. He has spoken nationally on topics including post-cardiac arrest therapeutic hypothermia, stroke and rapid sequence intubation pharmacology. His current research interests include pharmacologic management of stroke, thrombolytic use and resuscitation and strategies for optimizing professional resilience in the workplace. He is primary author on a recent commentary on professional burnout in pharmacy in the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy which brings us to our topic today on burnout. So thank you for joining us today, Patrick. Tell me, what is burnout and how can we recognize this? So um, burnout, it was um, originally described by this gentleman, Freudenberger, um, in 1974. And what he had done, he had based his observations on um, a volunteer medical clinic. And um, what he actually did is he identified that there were really three three domains to this uh, burnout. It's really, um, you know, like a, a chronic type of condition where um, it's not an acute thing. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, that's it, I'm burned out. I mean, you may, but, you know, it doesn't occur. It's more of an incidivous type of uh, onset. And, um, but in any event, um, so there's these three domains. So there's uh, emotional exhaustion, um, depersonalization, and then a decreased sense of accomplishment of the three things that are were delineated out. So uh, just to kind of define you know, what depersonalization is. So um, from a healthcare standpoint, you wouldn't necessarily feel connected to a patient. I mean, you would uh, perhaps maybe a good example of this is identifying them by their disease state. For example, pneumonia in room number four needs to, you know, be followed up on or whatever the case may be, mm. um, you know, or the cardiac arrest family is located in the waiting room and they need consultations. Emotional exhaustion, this can kind of call, uh, go over into uh, you have nothing left at the end of the day you know uh, you don't even it's more of an ap apathetic type of feeling uh, you know when you're finished your, your shift you just want to go home and lay in bed you just feel like there's nothing left in you and the last is a decreased sense of accomplishment which kind of speaks for itself throughout your work day um, you know you feel as though even though you are competent and accomplishing perhaps you know amazing things um, you feel that you, you know you're it's inadequate and uh, you're not doing enough work, you know, in order to fulfill yourself. So you just keep working harder and harder. You know, it's um, kind of a negative feedback type of mechanism. So you just keep keep going and going and going. And then really, I guess, in terms of uh, identifying burnout or recognizing it, a lot of these things are internally, you can kind of recognize them. But from the outside looking in, you know, if you're looking, you know, 
coworker, family member, whatever the case may be. They're absent from work more than they typically are. Now, you know, with that being said, a lot of these um, symptoms are nonspecific. I guess it's a general rule, you know, unexplained absences for work. You know, if somebody shows up late, they leave early. They are demonstrating decreases in productivity. Yeah. Or, over a period of time? You know, it would take months to years to, to, to really start to manifest. You know, if you had known somebody for a year or two, or when they first started working, they were exuberant and excited to be there. And now it's a year and a half out and they, you know, are frustrated and angry and, um, you know, not necessarily putting as much work in or, you know, maybe con uh, chronically complaining about issues that are necessarily out of, you know, organizational issues that are outside of their control. And how prevalent do you think the issue of burnout is? There's a lot of data out there in terms of uh, what the actual rates of burnout are. For nurses, they reckon uh, it's it's a wide it's a very wide range. So say 10, 10 to seventy percent. This is from the uh, Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. It's an organization here in the U.S. Um, they report ten to seventy percent of nurses. Uh, can potentially have burnout, whereas alternatively, uh, 30 to 50 percent of physicians, nurse practitioners, and physicians assistants. Um, now, quantifying it specifically to pharmacists, there's really nothing specifically addressing burnout uh, rates in pharmacy profession within the healthcare setting or community setting. There have been job satisfaction surveys. Um, there's one completed here in the U.S. Uh, in 2016. Um, and showed a majority of pharmacists are satisfied with their jobs. It was 72.5%. Um, right. That's a that was in the community setting. So that's so that's a good you know it's a good place to be. And uh, you know there obviously there may be more specific areas that are more prone as opposed to you know the community setting, which I think is kind of funny because I think it would be a very high stress environment. I personally don't work in the community setting. I just know that. You know, you get that face-to-face -face patient interaction, and the, the community pharmacy is the last stop on a patient's healthcare journey, so usually mm. <laughs> they're kind of tired and they just want to go home. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I'd say there'd be a lot of community pharmacists here in New Zealand that would um, agree with the high-stress environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give them credit. I give every community pharmacist the most credit because I couldn't do it. I know I couldn't do it. I uh, worked in a community pharmacy for about two months, and I said, well, this is it. I can't, I can't do it. I, uh, I don't have the tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving on from that, are there particular environments where health professionals would be more affected uh, or more likely to suffer from burnout than others? From a, from a healthcare standpoint in general, you know, the higher stress environments like critical care, for example, um, a critical care practitioners, nurses, et cetera, um, you know, have tend to have higher rates of burnout. And um, also uh, obstetrics uh, also have higher rates of higher rates of burnout, probably, you know, probably secondary to the, you know, regular hours mm. um, and things in their, their, their commitment. Really, I, th I think if you're a, obstetrician, you're re never really off because, you know, people have babies when people have babies. If you're dealing with death and, and dying on a routine basis, as in the critical care area, I think it's, you know, emotionally taxing on an individual. And are there any other specific contributing factors or stresses that could result in uh, a health professional suffering from burnout? Well, I think, you know, um, just to kind of bring, bring it back really to... Um, uh, Maslach was, uh, they've done a lot of work on identifying burnout and what, what she identified risk factors that were associated with burnout. She, she identified seven and the seven risk factors are workload. So that's pretty self-explanatory. So if you have mm -hmm. a large number of prescriptions that need to go out, um, obviously that's going to be a risk factor for burnout. Um, control. So um, 
you know, if you're working in a large organization, for example, you may not necessarily have control over the procedures, the policies, you know, your, your days off, for example, or even your, your hours throughout the day. Um, reward, so that would go back not only to like a financial reward, but, you know, recognition, you know, by peers, you know, saying you did a great job today, you know, that, a lack of reward, you know, um, and appreciation can be a, a risk factor for burnout. Um, she delineated, delineates our community. So this would be uh, something like social interaction at work. You know, if you get along well with everybody at work, um, you know, have similar interests, um, you know, a good support area. Have a buddy at work. Um, I know um, I work uh, Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, and they distributed a, uh, you know, a brief survey every year. And uh, what, they, what they did was uh, they asked if you had a friend at work, and everybody thought it was a silly question. Um, but now, having actually read about, you know, burnout and, uh, you know, workplace resilience, I, I understand what they were trying to get at. They were trying to get at if there was a feeling, you know, a good feeling of community, you know, with the workers within the organization. So, um, that was interesting. Uh, the next would be fairness. So, it's perfection. Uh, so, that, that, that would be, is there equity within the organization? Or, you know, um, like if you request vacation off and your friend requests vacation off, do you both get fair and equal treatment um, in mm. terms of? you know, getting that from a, from your supervisor, um, and values. So if the, like, for example, the values of the organization. So for, if you work uh, a large health system, do they have the same values and towards treating patients or are they more concerned about the bottom line? At least, you know, what, what is, what is your perception of their values? Sure. Um, and then the last one, which I thought was kind of confusing, it was a little bit hard for me to understand, be job person and congruity. So um, if you're a manager and your personality isn't fit to be a manager, or for example, uh, you have to discipline somebody you're close friends with, um, you know, if you're the director of pharmacy and then you've uh, worked with somebody for, you know, a fair number of years and then unfortunately you have to lay them off, you know, that would be something that would be very stressful. So that's really, there are seven uh, risk factors that were identified. Would you consider burnout as a mental health problem? Well, I mean, I think burnout may be a syndrome or, you know, a symptom of, you know, underlying mental health issues. Um, depression and burnout, they share a lot of similarities um, mm. in terms of, you know, how, how individuals may act at work. You know, they may be apathetic. They may, you know, uh, be, be fatigued and lay around the house and not want to get out of bed. I think it's hard maybe, you know, and that's when I initially talked about recognizing people with burnout. You know, I don't think we should necessarily write somebody off as having burnout in particular, whereas they may have, you know, severe untreated depression that may be manifesting with symptoms that are similar to burnout. Um, but uh, the big difference is that really burnout only affects your work. So when you go home, you're, you're better. The stresses are alleviated, whereas with depression more of a chronic issue yeah your personal life patients with depression you know they're obviously you know they may be suicidal whereas burnout you know individuals may not be you know the weight changes are more consistent with depression rather than you know compared to burnout so there's a relationship there but you know we have yet to define what it is and you know we really need to be uh, you know aware um, that they may be intertwined and you know a vacation is not going to fix your depression you know, a, vac a vacation may help you with symptoms of burnout, but it's not going to correct depression. From your research and your knowledge of the, the risk factors and, and challenges faced by health professionals, and what's being done currently to address some of these stresses? Here in the U.S., I think, you know, there's really two, two approaches. 
and let me backtrack and burnout in general, right? So there's mm. personal approaches, right? So if you wanted to, you know, if you're experiencing burnout yourself, you know, clearly you have to take responsibility for yourself and say, I need a vacation, you know, I need to disconnect from work, I, um, you know, work on, um, you know, wellness and resilience type of exercises, uh, you know, meditation, etc. From an organizational standpoint, I think that gets lost in the mix a lot. You know, I think um, the organization can change the hours, whereas that would you know, help help to improve burnout symptoms in uh, individuals. Or, you know, I work, I'm, I'm based in the emergency department, a pharmacist in the emergency department, and uh, one of the things we do is, um, you know, if we have a stressful event, whether it be a cardiac arrest, you know, the death of a child, something, you know, that was really impactful for, for the, the care providers, we'll, you know, have time afterwards to kind of decompress and, you know, talk and debrief the situation. That's something from an organizational standpoint. But I think on a greater organizational view, um, Many health systems are implementing wellness committees, you know, to evaluate wellness and see if there's any improvements they can make. Uh, there's a program here with the American Medical Association called Steps Forward, and it gives kind of a blueprint for organizations and how to address burnout and some of the steps that they can take. Um, whether it's, you know, having, like I said, having a wellness committee, you know, actually making wellness a quality indicator uh, was one of the things that they had mentioned. That's a good so, idea. Yeah, so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think um, I just, you know, read through it. Right, actually, right before we we were on the the, the phone, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's good timing. Yeah, right. It worked out well. It did. Um, it did. So uh, AMA AMA steps forward. So that's uh, you know from a, a professional organization standpoint. Perspective. Sure. Yeah. And what do you think are the consequences of a health professional suffering from long term burnout? So you know, I th I was reading a lot about this and. Uh, you know, I think it would be analogous to like a chronic stress response. Um, and I actually had to look it up because I wasn't sure. I was like, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, so mostly like weight gain, um, absenteeism, things like that, um, fatigue. And then, you know, there was a, a possible link between uh, depression now, whether, again, the depression was the cause of it or, you know, secondary too. Um, uh, that, that that's the possibility, but you know, I think again, just this chronic stress response, you know, where the weight gain, you know, substance use, etc. You know, from that's from a, from a personal standpoint. Now, from from a patient standpoint, um, there was a actually the Mayo, Mayo Clinic proceedings. They just published a study relatively recently about errors that were associated with you know burnout and burnout syndrome, and um, they found that the to, the two are possibly related. So physicians, I, I should clarify, so so physicians who were um, experiencing symptoms of burnout, uh, the correlation was very strong. Um, mm. They were more likely to make mistakes. And, um, and that would coincide with having the Step Forward um, program that you're talking about as well to be able to help manage that? Yeah, you know, it could potentially help manage that. So, you know, Steps Forward here is to help manage burnout. We know that burnout mm. um, has real effects on patient outcomes so yep. it needs to be addressed and yes. uh, AMA steps forward is one of the one of the programs that's being utilized right now and are there is there any research on any other health professionals other than physicians um, not to my knowledge I could be missing something I know um, the American Society of Health System pharmacists is moving forward with some initiatives right now um, in order to uh, address burnout, um, the current president's one of his, it was one of his initiatives. It's the Action Collaborative on Clinici Clinician Wellbeing and Resilience um, is something that the ASHP is involved with currently um, in order to help out specifically with pharmacists. And 
What can we as health professionals do, well, either for ourselves or to help our colleagues, um, to reduce or manage burnout? Well, I think, you know, I think you really have to take responsibility for yourself. Um, you know, to put yourself first because we usually, we always put patients first and it's hard, you know, I think you know, pe people who choose to go into the healthcare professions are generally, you know, caring, giving people and, you know, they, they go because they want to help people, but, you know, they realize that, you know, they have to help themselves. <laughs> you forget mm. you have to help yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, making hours that are appropriate, you know, realizing your limitations. And if it's a individual, you know, you're concerned who's burned out, I think having frank conversation with them because, again, mm. we know that um, somebody who's experiencing symptoms of burnout, you know, they could potentially have negative effect on a, pa on a patient's outcome. So I think having, you know, straightforward uh, discussions with them, you know, could potentially help. And what do you think employers could do to help support the health and well-being of their staff? Um, yeah, that's, that's good. I think, you know, obviously one of the easy things, you know, obviously, but one of the easy things to, to fix would be scheduling changes to have more consistent hours, you know, to not have obstetrician hours. I think that would be helpful. Um, yes. You know, I, I work a lot of different shifts. I work overnights. I work evenings. Um, so, but I, I choose to do that. <laughs> so, um you know, try to I'll force it upon you. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, <laughs> which is good. Something that really you know sticks out to me, especially even with my students, is um, making your expectations clear. So organizations, managers, etc., need to make their expectations clear as to what um, should be done. Because if there's unclear expectations, you may be spinning your wheels and not actually, you know, going towards what the what the goal of the organization may be. So I think. Um, making your expectations clear and doing that through um, what your work, you, your evaluation is and uh, being clear on that. And then trying to incorporate employer, you know, healthcare provider feedback into the direction of the organization. Um, you know, increase, increasing levels of participation, whether it's through committee work to help healthcare providers know that they're, they're being heard and that, uh, you know, their feedback is being incorporated into the organization. Well, if a health professional or anyone, I guess, is uh, concerned about a colleague or even a family or friend who might potentially be suffering from burnout. Are there certain terms or language that we could use to either help identify or for the person to self-identify their potential of burnout? I think, again, just being clear that you're concerned um, about their behavior. You say, well, you know, you've previously been very engaged. You know, you don't seem as engaged as you've you previously were addressing somebody's engagement and, uh, you know, that you're concerned about their performance because they uh, seem tired or, you know, you know, notice a change, you know, I think that would be reasonable. And finally, if there is one message you would want listeners to take away from uh, this episode on burnout, what would that be? I think it would really be take care of yourself, you know, first, or you can't take care of patients if you don't take care of yourself. I think that's the most important thing. And, uh, you have to realize, you know, we're humans <laughs> as much as everybody wants to be a superhuman. You know, it's, it's the most important to make time for yourself and the things you love to do. Make sure you make, make time to do that. That would be the most, one, of the, one of the more important things. Again, I, like I said, I think we all forget that sometimes. Hmm. So would it be having a balance for those that might be working very long hours or have yeah. you know, very high-stress environments? Yeah, try to have a balance and uh, appreciate what you have, you know, if you're in a really – for example, in critical care, I think, well, even in the emergency department, we see patients that are sick and ill. You know, I think one of the things it does is you know, I appreciate my health and I appreciate, you know, that I'm there to help those people and I view it as a service to be able to have the privilege of taking care of them. So that's how I try to, 
temper myself actually if I start to get tired. <laughs> you know, it's really because we we're we're privileged. We're privileged to be able to do this for for patients. And the information that they they share with us as healthcare providers is really um, special. So it's very true, um, and they have a lot of trust in us as their yeah healthcare yep. professionals. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Patrick. I think it'll be very useful for all our listeners out there. I hope so. I really enjoyed it. CollegeCast is brought to you by Sharina Bassan from the College Education and Training Business Unit of the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. All views of our guests in these episodes are their own.